From out of the lab and into the gym, it's the Coach Me Plus Applied Sports Science Podcast. Welcome to the first ever Coach Me Plus Podcast. I'm Kevin Davidevich, president and co-founder of Coach Me Plus. I've got uh, Doug McKenney, who's actually not that far from me. You're across the, the hallway in another room, and we have to do it this way so that we can actually get Skype to, to record this. Um, and uh, say hi, Doug. Well, thanks for having me, Kev. Although we work together every day, it's <laughs> kind of nice to be doing this uh, via hall to hall. <laughs> yeah, the one thing that, uh, you know, this is our first ever podcast. Um, you know, I think the, the stage that we want to set here with what we're doing is really try and keep things conversational with our coaches. I think that, um, you know, our place in the, in the industry is kind of unique. Like we're, we're in the middle of just about everything. Um, and with that, you know, we, we don't really pick and choose who, what we think is best or what we think is, um, you know, the, the proper way to go about things. Instead, we let coaches drive that decision. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good place to be, too. I mean, the, the difference between different organizations and uh, um, colleges, universities, professional sports, the things that they're doing may be similar in terms of collection but different in, you know, modalities and various different things. So yeah. I think it, it's, we're in the right, right place. Yeah, so um, so what we're going to do is we're going to do, uh, I think we're going to start off probably once every other week or so. Is that is that right? That's right. Yeah, and uh, basically what we'll do is we'll have, uh, we'll have coaches, we'll have um, wearable device companies, technology companies, um, you know, uh, different uh, practitioners, and, and really just get, you know, from the horse's mouth what is the best way to do things in the applied way because you know, I think what happens is in this industry we, we, we go to a lot of these seminars we go to a lot of these uh, symposiums and stuff like that and there's a lot of theory right like there's a lot of um, a lot of places uh, a lot of uh, professors guys with PhDs standing up and going over what they learned in a study but then you know coaches try and take that back to the um, back to the gym and do it themselves and what they find in practice doesn't always apply, right? And that's where the applied sports science name kind of comes about in what we do. Yeah, and I and I wouldn't necessarily say that it's we're trying to find the best way. I think ultimately what we're doing is we're finding out, you know, what's out there, what works, uh, what potentially works, and then you know uh, what are some of the methodologies that are different. There could be several different things that work at at different levels. And, you know, obviously uh, a sports um, situation at a small college is going to be different than one that's at a, a major university or professional team. And yet they're coming to the same place with regard to sports performance. And so, you know, it may not be necessarily that we're trying to find out, you know, what is the best, but probably what works best in the situation you're in. So, um, and, you know, it's... It the reason that, I mean, obviously having you, you on uh, our first conversation is because you and I have been longtime friends. Um, you know, we can we can try and figure this thing out. And I, th- I think we even agreed that if, even if it goes bad, we're just going to put it up because we don't have all data to be reporting. Recording yeah, let's, let's, let's see what we can, see if we can't uh, uh, not kill ourselves doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so a um, little bit of history. So you and I uh, met... Uh, this is back what 2002 2003 yeah right around there yeah yeah and um, what was the uh, what was the problem because I know my side of the story and I'm, I'm just a software guy nobody wants to hear you know my side um, <laughs> what were you dealing with uh, at that time and you know what 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 solution were you looking for like how did how did we come up yeah no it's a it's you know interesting dynamic there simply because when you when you start talking about this, a lot of older strength and conditioning guys will realize, you know, we used to put together conditioning manuals, and these manuals were um, a collaboration of years of work that we had done. And, you know, it wasn't that it, didn't, it wasn't effective to, to a degree it was. But on the other side of the coin, you know, we weren't able to really fit the individual aspect of the program to our players. We weren't reaching them effectively with regard to 
some of the um, designs that we were, you know, putting in place in just one paper form packet, you know. And so what I was, you know, reaching out to you and commissioning you to help me do was to take that away from that, you know, one handover manual to a player at the end of the year and that's how he's going to run his programs. Yes, it's got his weight training cards, it's got his conditioning cards, it's got, you know, some information on nutrition, it's got some information on recovery, it's got, you know, various different things that, you know, clearly was, you know, somewhat effective back in maybe the 70s and early 80s. Um, but when we got to the point of, you know, really getting specific program design for players, we needed to get out of the manual and get into an online situation. Yeah, um, that, I tell you know, what, that was that was the biggest surprise to me. Like when when uh, when we came and met, and uh, you know, I sat down with you the first time. You, you showed me the booklet. It was like this this big thick you know nutritional manual and, and workouts and everything else like that. I was like I was like, man, this is like my high school um, you know my high school program. Like I got it on paper, and I was really surprised. And, and and no knock to you, but this is just the way the industry was back then. I was really surprised to see that pro hockey players. You know, million-dollar athletes were going home with a paper book of workouts, and that that blew me away. Yeah, and, and you know, the the sad part of that is, is that you know, we budget-wise, we didn't have a lot of money to put into things. So every year, we were trying to try to figure out a better system of doing this. And you helped us move from our manual to our uh, uh, CD-ROM, and then to a DVD, and then obviously online. And along the way, we realized, you know, we need to become more interactive. We need to be able to work directly with the numbers that are coming in on a daily basis. We need to be able to recognize, um, you know, where plateaus were being, you know, um, created in our program, you know, with individual players. Um, you know, so, you know, essentially the bottom line was is that we had to get out of the dark woods and get into some light. And, and that was one of the ways that we felt we best do that is get up, get online and be able to present a good, solid program, individualized program to every one of our athletes, whether it was a, you know, NHL player, an AHL player or a prospect. You know, we draft guys at 18 years old and you don't reach full maturation until 21. And so here we are. We've got three years, four years where this guy is, is going out of a manual that we don't actually even get to see what he's doing on a day-to-day basis. I think it hurt us, you know, in a lot of circumstances. And I think, you know, bottom line is, is uh, we we found a way to make it really effective. Yeah, it's kind of funny when we were doing the CDs, you know, it's one of those projects that would come up every year and um, it always felt like it was, you know, deadline was was when it was. It was never going to change. Obviously, things had to go out. The season ended. Like, these things needed to get out there. And uh, I remember a couple of a couple of late nights, you know, burning CDs. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the funny part is, is you know, you're, you're a seven month season. We started this, you know, looking into how we were going to make these changes with various different things in January. But you still run up against it when it's April, May, and June. Yeah, and the, the, know, the crazy part is, stuff. like, you you had one deadline because if you didn't if you didn't change what you put out there, like your plan was your plan, and you're done, and it goes out. Good luck. Yeah. You're not going to see those guys, right? Right, right. And, and you know, the nice part about, you know, what we, we've developed now is is that we could do, you know, three-week three week segments, you know, and we can make those changes over time, you know, so we don't have to have this manual that was, you know, a 10, 12, 17-week program and hand it over at the end. You can give them three weeks now or two weeks and, and build it as you go, which is, you know, actually a very, very important aspect of um, – sports science today yeah yeah i remember one of our nfl coaches one of the first coaches to sign on uh from the nfl was doing his programming and he's like well i have a deadline i need to have it done by this certain this certain date and we're like no you just need the first week done by the first week can you do that and he was like he's like yeah i can do that and and literally the guy learned and built like from the first day on uh, as he as he grew, it was it was really interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah, happy days, happy <laughs> days for him. You know, yeah, yeah it changes your whole uh, sight line on how you want to do things because if you're when when you go back to the manual days or the days when you know you had to, and it's not that your your template could be 
still uh, a 10, 12, 16-week template. It, it doesn't have to change that, but individually it could change or, you know, you might have a segment of people that are in, you know, different types of programs and so it makes it so much easier for you to handle and, and do it properly. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to sound too much like a Coach Me Plus commercial. Um, let's let's find out uh, a little bit about Doug. So, um, your history. You were you were like literally the first full time strength coach in the NHL. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was high. Uh, the be- better way of putting it, full time paid full time mm-hmm. strength and conditioning coach. One of the my mentor, Rusty Jones, was at um, was with the Rusty, Pittsburgh Maulers. <laughs> And uh, he was hired with the Maulers and that franchise, which uh, is a USFL football team, um, back in the 80s. And, and it folded. And, and when it folded, they basically said, well, why don't you, you know, work with our hockey team and our soccer team? You know, and then it, 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 eventually he got hired by the Bills. And so, um, you know, they hired me as their first full-time strength and conditioning coach. Uh, and I spent four years with the Penguins. And then... Um, the general manager that was there at the time, Eddie Johnston, was a great teacher to me as well in terms of hockey and how it related to what I was trying to bring bring to the table from the standpoint of sports science. And uh, you know, he asked me to go with him to Hartford when he when he went to the Whalers. Well, hold on a second, and, there, Doug. Uh, you called you called it sports science. Was it called sports science back then? Hell no, <laughs> no, 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 no. It was. Uh, the, and the funny part about that is, is that when you're you go and get your your degree in exercise science, and then back then it would have been physical education. Now you know there was some some places may call it exercise science, but you know, um, and then you know got my degree in exercise physiology. But there are only a couple schools that were really recognizing strength and conditioning as a concentration. Yeah. You know, now you have many, many, many schools that are doing that, and there are many colleges and universities that are also focusing in, in on sports performance. Um, that's just a habit thing I got going on now with this calling things sports performance. But, you know, um, I went went six years with, uh, with the Whalers and then um, finished the last uh, 20 with the uh, Buffalo Sabres. And, you know, so incredibly, you know, different components to every one of those um, changes in time, the first five years to the next five years to the sure. next 10 sure. years. So, so, I mean, you know, your first, your first, um, stint with a team and, you know, I don't want to, I don't blow up anybody's spot, but I mean, you walk into a hockey team, NHL professional team, um, you know, what's the weight room like, like 20, oh. 30 years ago, like <laughs> what did you guys like just, you know, lift those sandbags and stuff like yeah, the old say, dumbbells and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the uh, interesting part, EJ was the one who hired me, but Paul Martha, who was uh, the president of the Penguins at the time, um, he was an NFL guy. He actually played in the NFL and then um, with the Steelers and the, the Broncos and uh, became an attorney after. And then uh, he was the president of the team, and he said, you know, we really need – this in hockey we need strength and conditioning in hockey sure. and there really was no lie to that when i walked into you know that facility basically they had a, a few old fitron bikes a lot of people probably don't even know what those look like <laughs> and then um you know a universal machine and a couple scattered you know plastic dumbbells that had sand <laughs> in them. you know yeah it was it was crazy you know those from and I, I i remember you know um talking about uh, jump training and of course the terminology was plyometrics and you know I remember one of the coaches saying to me we're not doing any of those plyometrics today are we <laughs> you know they they did, had no clue and you know whether when we were when we were doing stretches you know guys you know typically just had no exposure especially in hockey it's not like in the 80s you know we only had a few college athletes mm-hmm. you know a lot of them weren't in that league yet it was mostly a junior hockey league that went into the NHL. And so, you know, they weren't exposed to a lot of the stuff that, you know, I had gone through with regard to the the exercise science and physiology program I got my master's. And so from hydration to um, nutrition to, you know, the basics of static and dynamic active movements um, and obviously uh, strength and conditioning, 
you know, was they just weren't exposed to it. So, so that, so that um, first, five, so that first five years, I mean, you're basically walking into like what maybe be a high school gym now or a D three gym now, but you're at the pro level. Far less, far less than that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what, I mean, the first five years, what's your emphasis? I mean, like, what are you, what are you trying to put in place? You know, obviously like there's not a lot of professional, uh, people doing what you're doing. So what's that first emphasis that you're really trying to get in place? It was all education. It was all teaching. It was all about spent a lot, a lot of time with a lot of athletes on nutrition, proper nutrition. I'm not a big supplementation guy. I really feel like the best avenue to go is to learn, you know, how to eat properly three meals a day, a couple snacks, getting the the calories that you're needed uh, to um, reach the energy goals that are in front of you. And then, you know, everybody knows this now, but at the time, you know, um, you could look at things and say, well, okay, chronic fatigue, you know, everybody talks about stress balance now. You know, but back then, chronic and, and, and acute fatigue was not a conversation you were having. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, you look at how things are measured today, and they weren't even close to being measured during that time frame. You know, I was using heart monitors that were the size of a cell phone, <laughs> that you used on a, a harness. You couldn't wear them on the ice. You could only use them in the weight room on old Fitron bikes. Well, what, was it, what was the first heart rate monitor that you got? I don't remember the name of it, but I, honestly, I'm telling you, it was the size of this right here, <laughs> and you had it, you know, it was, it's crazy, you know, um, and, you know, I began this process of thinking, how am I going to, you know, first I had to, I had to get players on board, but I also had to teach the coaches and the general manager, you know, about the culture of how this would work, having somebody there, and, and, and on a daily basis, we're going to be we're going to be stretching. We're going to be, uh, we're going to be lifting two or three times a week. We're going to be doing various different things and just things that they weren't exposed to. So um, it was largely education. You okay. Know. So you know you're you're basically um, you know those first five years you're you're experimenting with uh, refrigerator sized uh, heart rate <laughs> monitors. They're lifting sandbags. You know you're educating uh, you're educating your your, your owners, GMs, you know, basically stakeholders, coaches, whatever they might be on why you're doing this stuff. Um, so you're, you, you got exposed to what I would say everybody's getting exposed to now, right? Like you're constantly trying to reeducate the upper, um, the upper management on why you're doing these things. And you had to do that when there wasn't like data and information, there wasn't a whole lot of result driven, um, experimenting with what you were doing. So how did you, as a coach and, you know, and, and like, Hey, I want to get some heart rate monitors in here. And they're like, Oh, what, what's that? Like, how did, how did that first experience in educating coaches? Like, how did you, how did you live through that? Deal with that. You know, the thing about it is, is that we talk about player tracking today and we look at the information that we are gathering, uh, on a day to day basis. And you were we were actually doing a lot of that at that time but not at the level we're doing it now like for example we were looking at you know gains that were being made in the weight room via the same way that we do today you know what is his load and what is his volume and what is you know how how is his fat free mass compared to what it was when we first got him sure. you know um you know what's his percent fat is he losing fat is he gaining fat free mass um you know we were tracking players but you know, we weren't doing it in terms of player load. You know, you we weren't. Have, I mean, I'm talking about more like along the lines of the education side, like convincing the head coach that this was important. Yeah, you know, I think the the part about that that's funny is they almost said, you know, you, you know, we don't need to do this. We don't need to do this. Sure. You know, because they hadn't been exposed to it. You know, um, they, you know, they went into practice uh, training camp, and we were doing two practices a day and you know um we would have the delayed onset of muscle soreness and they would be going to the training room and then the trainers you know packing ice bags on everybody and then you know when i when the trainer and myself would go back to the coach's office and the conversation would be well why are these guys so sore you know (laughs) you know the, the the conversation quickly got 
you know, where while you're stretching them, you know, why, why are they sore? Well, you know, we're on the ice four hours, you know, and, wow. you know, we're going to we're going to increase the chance for more, not just delayed onset of muscle soreness, but possibly pull strains and tears. And so once they start started to hear some of the arguments for it, some um, players obviously might have been, you know, a lot more receptive because it means recovery. But on the other side, coaches are looking at the same thing they looked at year after year after year, which was we have to be prepared for our first game and we need to practice. And so, so you had, so in, so in you the had 80s, to have that conversation. In the 80s, it, oh. was, uh, it was teaching these guys about doms, like just really basic. And, and you know, if, if we don't back off here, we're, gonna, we're, we're staring at, you know, pulls and strains and, and possible tears. And, you know, so that was the beginning of that process of people saying, you know what, um, we've got to back off here. And, you know, it wasn't the Players Association that was saying, you know, we only want three hours a day, you know, the first two weeks of training camp. It was actually guys like myself and, um, and, 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 the, and the sports performance people who were saying, you know, the smart thing to do is, here is to have, you know, a, a pattern of development with regard to their level of fitness and, 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 uh, and preparedness sure. by virtue of getting a lot of hard work done in a short period of time and then allowing them to recover. That's incredible. I mean, because it, it's funny because the, you and I have been on, you know, we've been on the road together now for close to a year. And the challenges that we hear from coaches now who are looking at, you know, monitoring, getting athletes compliance, all this other stuff, it's really still the same problem, right? Yeah, essentially, you're right. I mean, you know, uh, I think, though, the awareness of, you know, professional sports coaches today is clearly much higher than it's mm-hmm. ever been before. I mean, they still are concerned about, you know, how physical their team can be and how, you know, well-conditioned they can be, you know, and they and they want to drive their practice intensities at a higher level so that they can, you know, feel as though their team can compete at at a level that that can win games. And but at the same point in time, I think they understand that if their team isn't healthy, their chance for winning is reduced greatly if their sure. best players or their top top uh, players are, are the ones that are, you know, performance levels are declining because they are fatigued, they are tired, they are sleep deprived or dehydrated or yeah. glycogen depleted. I mean, those are the reasons that I think these coaches have started to come aboard. I think, you know, obviously analytics has helped. But, uh, you know, like I said, we were tracking before and from a practical applicational standpoint, you know, I could have, you know, feedback from players and I could have, you know, the way in and the way out numbers and the loss and in fat free mass. And I could put together various different things that would demonstrate, you know, he's declining. He's not, you know, he's catabolic. He's not anabolic. We got issues, you know. Sure. You can measure some of those things not as effectively as you can today with all the, you know, apparatuses that we have. But I, we were we were trying to track and do things and do it at a, in a practical way, communicating with those coaches and uh, and players, you know, daily about it. So what what I mean, you know, you how many how many head coaches have you? Oh gosh, I, <laughs> I, it's in the twenties. You know, <laughs> so yeah. So so in thirty years, you've had. Close to twenty-ish head coaches. Oh yeah, more. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, and the, the sad part about that is is that you finally, you know, have gotten to a point where you've, you've built a relationship with a coach, and he kind of understands what you're. I understand what he wants, and he understands what I think can help him. You know, sort of thing. And then he's gone, and you know now you got to begin that process all over with. You know, with somebody else coming in. So and for so, so for the uh, you know for the college coach or for the first time. You know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, uh, a pro coach. I'm, I'm getting a new head coach coming in. You know, I can't imagine anybody who's had more experience with a new coach. What's like the first salvo that you fire at the guy to figure out if he's going to get this stuff or not? Um, the one comment that I seem to make that was most effective to almost every coach that I worked with 
was um, the next game is the most important game. Because literally their thinking is, oh, we just lost three games in a row or we played poorly and we need to practice. Sure. And yet our team is tired and I'm telling them, you know, we just got off, we just played four games in six nights. We're tired, we're dehydrated, we're obviously glycogen depleted. We have issues, you know, the guys are tired. And his point of view would have been, well, our power play was terrible and our penalty killing gave up this. And, you know, we need to practice these things. And, you know, my point to him would have been, well, you know, the recovery will be more important than the work. You know, maybe we can just do video. Maybe we can do something that we can teach them without, you know, expending a lot of energy and, you know, sweating and, and, and reducing their preparedness from the physical standpoint. Let's, let's increase their preparedness from a mental standpoint. And, again, the, the line that I would always seem to have the best luck with in terms of getting them to realize that maybe a day off isn't a bad idea was, you know, our next game is the most important game. So, uh, next game is the most important game, and then what, you know, I, I've, I've talked to literally hundreds of, co- hundreds of coaches now, and everybody's got like a different, a different technique or a different way that they've been able to kind of bridge that gap of, you know, you say, I, you say an athlete's glycogen depleted, and I'm like, I don't know what glycogen is, uh, I'm just going to go bag skate the guys, um, like, what was that first bridge of information sharing that really seemed to click with the majority of coaches that you work with? I'd take them right back to when most of these coaches were players. You know, general managers and coaches were players. That's a great point. And so I would, take, really great point. I would take them right back to a point in time when they were a player and say, do you remember when your legs were heavy? <laughs> you couldn't, you know, you were moving them, but they weren't going anywhere. You know, that's glycogen depletion. So... That's what your guys are facing right now. You know, seven of these top, you know, 12 forwards have heavy legs. They're tired. They're, they're, that term glycogen depletion is the heavy legs. That's what's going on with them right now. The best thing that you can do for these guys is to keep them off the ice. Let me push, you know, uh, the nutritional side and the hydrational side with these guys. And let's, let's make sure that, you know, that they're prepared for our game on Friday. Sure. And so I would take it right back to a time where... You know, they could have felt what what it was feeling like, you know. Uh, You get off the plane at 2 o'clock in the morning, you drive home, you're not in bed until 3.30, you know, you can't fall asleep, and you still want to, I mean, are you sure you still want these guys to get up at 10.30? You know, that would be a question that I would ask them, you know. And why can't we move practice to 12.30 and give them, you know, the better chance of getting seven to eight hours of sleep? Yeah, and, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, there's a, the the European and the Australian um, model and mindset is coming into the North American uh, sports space. And the one thing that I, I keep hearing over and over again is, you know, why are we here for this meeting? Why are, why are we up here early again? Like, you know, the those guys are, are, are much further along with, with coaches buying in and understanding why there are certain points where you want to change what you're doing. Um, you know, there's a Australian coach I was uh, I was having a conversation with, and he goes, "Yeah, it was Monday morning, and we're there at 7 a.m." And he goes, "Everybody's look, everybody's around the table. We're all looking at each other. We're all exhausted." And I go to the guy next to me. He goes, "Why are we Why are we here?" And coach goes, <laughs> "We're supposed to be here. That's what we do." Yeah. And yeah. it's like you know, it's hard to kind of like unlock that mindset, but um, you know, there is some there is. And that's why I'm asking, like, you know, what what kind of bridge of information have you been able to share to kind of get that point across? And I think, you know, it's going to be different for everybody, but obviously your experience is, um, you know, really uh, important to share. Yeah, I think, you know, like I said, once, once I was able to have some black and white numbers and things that were, you know, from what we were collecting are... Uh, internal player load data and our external player load data and our RPEs and our questionnaires and our, you know, once I had, you know, black and white information, it was easier for me to win battles with coaches. Um, You know, before it was more of, you know, just simple stuff like weighing in and weighing out and then, you know, um, feedback from the players. You know, generally speaking, the trainers and the strength coaches are the first ones to see them, yep. you know, and, uh, 
you know, they come in and we're, we're stretching them and we're doing various different work with them. And so we're having conversation, you know, and we see them walk in the door and they're, it looks like they got in a fight with their pillow. Their hair's all over the place. Their <laughs> eyes are half closed. And, you know, it's just, you can tell that they're tired, they're fatigued. They've, and so you ask them, you know, how you doing? Well, I'm, I'm beat. I'm tired. You know, didn't get to sleep last night. And now, you know, before it was a verbal thing. But now there's, you know, they pick up their phone, they enter in their wellness questionnaire, and we're getting that information before they even arrive there. And we're making some decisions and we're having communications with uh, the athletic trainers, the physical therapist, and the positional and head coaches um, on where guys are at. And so a lot of times, you know, again, this is so much different than the 80s and 90s. You know, it just, it wasn't available. We weren't doing it. We were... You know, we had these conversations. We were, from a practical applicational standpoint, we were, you know, hitting these things, but not as effectively and efficiently as we do today. Well, it's, it's funny. I was talking to a high-performance group yesterday, and these guys are um, they're a different kind of sport, and I uh, can't drop any names. But basically, the... It's as old school as you get, this sport. And the strength coach just started there like a week ago. And he walks in and he's looking at the facilities and he's watching the guys and everything else like that. And, you know, the guys travel one, two times a week. They're, you know, they're all over the place. Um, and he goes, yeah, the, uh, the supplement of choice here is Monster Energy drinks. <laughs> that that is the answer to everything i'm tired yeah. grab a monster i'm fatigued yeah. grab a monster we got off the plane late grab a monster that's it just you know rev up for the next performance and for the next game and for the next event and whatever it is and you know they're just they're just you know trying to compensate with caffeine yeah. and it's yeah. like caffeine sugar and taurine or whatever the hell you know is, is you know you know you you're absolutely right, Kevin, and I, I, you know, I didn't think of it until you just said this, but it was not atypical for our guys to come in back in the 80s and 90s, and their first place to go in, you know, was over to the coffee machine and getting a cup of coffee and then to the training room to get a hot pack. I mean, you know, it w- and you hardly even see hot packs used today. Yeah. I mean, when you go into training rooms, you hardly ever see them, but every day those guys were going to the car, and that wasn't... That was their first trip to the coffee machine. They went <laughs> three or four times. So ultimately, it's it's the same thing as you're talking about with this um, situation you're talking about today. And you know we, uh, you know everybody knows that you know that's a diuretic. So we're defeating our purpose of having yeah. that much caffeine because we're also dehydrated. And and so you know that was, wasn't there a clear. goalie? Wasn't there a goalie a couple years ago who blamed coffee for his? Oh, I'm sure. Dehydration. I'm sure. It was somebody somebody who got pulled from a game, and he was like, yeah, you know, coffee's my pregame, and, you know, didn't realize that uh, that was. Oh, I, I'm hoping you're not telling me that was somebody on my team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it might have been. Um, leave it alone, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there's, but you know what, you, you hear stuff like that all the time. I mean, all we got to do is, it, all we got to do is look at the Super Bowl last year. Right. Oh, absolutely. Your number one guy is on the field, pumping fluids, getting rolled, like you know, pulling out cramps, like doing what they can to keep the guy on the on the biggest stage. And you know, we can only assume so much, right? But there, it looks pretty apparent that that might have been a dehydration issue. It was, and it clearly was. And the sad part about that is, is that we have so much. Um, information today on how to deal with, you know, being properly hydrated for, you know, your 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 important games, all your games, all your practices, and the sad part about it is, is that, you know, you lose this guy, even if he doesn't, you know, even if he doesn't get the ball the next play, he's a threat, you know, he can't even be on the on the on the playing field, you know, yeah. um, so, you know, that that would have been my um, biggest fear. You know, honestly, and you know, I've had you know, just like every other strength and conditioning coach or you know professional that's been in at at this level, you know, I've had situations where guys have pulled or they strained. Um, I've had guys that couldn't complete a game because they were 
um, cramping. And, you know, there's nothing that, that uh, is, is more disappointing. And so once you've learned how to get uh, all your players on, the, on the, the right page with how important that is, you know, it really should never happen. Yeah. Well, Doug, let's fast forward a little bit. Um, so the 80s were lifting Rick's sticks and rocks and throwing <laughs> sandbags and drinking coffee. The 90s, we got heart rate monitors the size of cell phones. Um, you start getting into the 2000s. Um, you know, when when you and I met, um, I think... I think the first thing that you had that uh, that we talked about was maybe the Woodway treadmill, or was it um, was it First Beat that that we're pulling data from? Yeah, we had both. We actually had both. Okay. One, one of the one of the first things that you know uh, that we actually were trying to put into the package of of uh, of tracking and looking at on a daily basis would have been the training effect. Okay. Uh, or trimp, which is actually our, our player load, internal player load. How, um, how, how big was that? I mean, huge. It was trimp, huge. Trimp like didn't exist, right? Like before no. that, it was just you know looking at peak heart rates and you know time and zone all well, that stuff. Well, right? yeah, basically you were using heart rate monitors for exercise prescription. Yeah. You know, you would actually you know you'd have a VO two or a trying to get guys a, in their zones. Yeah, and you would be using it in such a way that you could actually look at it and say, okay, well, you know, he's you know, we, we need to be a little closer to the anaerobic threshold or we need to do this and this and this. And it was primarily, for the most part, used off the ice by, you know, almost the entire league mm-hmm. and leagues in general. You know, whether yeah. not just the National Hockey League, but, you know, you were primarily using a lot of that stuff, you know, off the playing surfaces. You're using it in your your conditioning or off off ice or off. But, that, but like you, know, you said, it's a prescription. Like go go on the treadmill and run up to eighty percent of your heartbeat for X amount of whatever's and right. Like that was it. But Trimp was yeah. like a result. Uh, it was, and yeah. essentially what happened was that we got to the point where we we realized, you know what, we can determine not just from, you know, uh, the the load of what was being done from calories. Mm-hmm. You know, we could actually break this down and look at, you know, what the chronic and acute, you know, loads were over a period of time and be able to master, I don't know how to use the word master, but really come up with some really good diagrams as to, you know, where a guy potentially is running up against the wall, you know, from week to week. You know, in hockey, you know, we were playing between three and four games a week and we knew what that was costing through these heart rate monitors and internal load. We were kind of figuring exactly about how much that was costing. He'll say, now what are we going to do with the other three or four days? You know, okay, we're going to give them one day off. All right, what are we going to do with the other two or three days? Sure. And now we could actually, you know, um, target our practice number uh, from player load as to where it's most safe in terms of elevating their performance levels, but at the same point in time, keeping them injury free. And that was a, a, just a whole new um, dynamic to um, how we were uh, approaching, you know, the day-to-day conversations with the players and the coaches, and how we could best, you know, serve the organization, you know, as a whole. How long did it take you to get comfortable with that number? I mean, you know, uh, again, let's kind of fast forward to now. People get new numbers, and they're trying to learn what does this fatigue number mean? What does this load number mean? I've got some GPS data, whatever it is. You were exposed to trim for the first time ever. Um, you know, you've got, what, 10, 15 years of experience behind behind you, and now you've got, like, this new amazing tool. Um, how long did it take you to, like, really understand it? It's a great question. You know, um, I always have good, great questions. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, it took a good two years before I could, and I remember this conversation um, yeah. with uh, with the, the head coach at the time. Um, I went to him and I said, "Here's here's the proof of what I'm telling you," and he's going and I, and his question to me was, "Are these numbers sound? You know, are they good? Are they, how how do you know that these are?" And I said, "I'm ninety five percent, ninety nine percent sure that." What I'm telling you right here is sound information. And it wasn't 
it was two years after we began that process. Wow. You know, so, um, I how, mean, how and that's... Get, back, to, back to the buy-in, how did you get... Or you were already doing heart rate monitors. So it's not like you had to get buy-in to do this, but it was something new that you were kind of running in the background? Like, how did that work out? No, we were using heart rate monitors um, primarily off the ice, and then I moved them onto the ice. And, um, you know, so I'm collecting this data, but I'm not really capable of sharing any of this information with sure. either, you know, the players who come and ask, you know, what do you, and I'd show them their curves and I'd say, you know, you, you know, you're, you're, you're in really good shape. I could say that because I'm looking at the bout of work and then I'm looking how fast he recovered from that bout of work. Yeah. But in terms of the total body of information that I was getting from it, you know, I could say, well, you're, you're approximately burning X number of calories. And so I was providing some information, but in terms of the real, um, critical information that it was able to provide us over time um you know it started with you know the typical practice was you know 45 minutes to an hour and five minutes and you know okay here's the normal trim for this player and this trim and this player and this player and then you know okay well that was an extremely hard practice and here was a hard practice and an average practice and a recovery practice and over a period of time, I put together this table of information nice. that allowed me to say, okay, I get it. I, I understand the dynamics of how this works, and now I can, okay, so we're playing three games this week. we got four days. We're going to get a day off. How are these three days going to work? How much of a trimp value does this guy have to deal with over this period of time? And I took began to take this stuff uh, to the coaches and share it with them and um, but like I said, it took me, you know, a, the better part of a full year of collecting this data to fully understand what I wanted to do with it. And then the second year to um, design and implement stuff that I could show to the, to the coaches and the players where I felt really comfortable about saying, you know what, this is where we need to go with this. So you, so you had this golden nugget of information, right? Like this, this new thing that you know, now is just commonplace. Everybody does it, but yeah. it took that long to actually get value out of it. Yeah, yeah. And maybe because I'm not real bright. I don't know. But, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it did take a good portion of time. And, and, and when, once I had it and once I was being able to share it, it was amazing how the players grabbed it and wanted it and, and appreciated, you know, one, your, your effort, your knowledge, and where you're driving things. But but additionally, the same thing with the coaches, you know. Um, so, you know, one one of the coaches had said to me, he had um, since moved on to another team, and he said to me, um, you know, you were right. And I said, well, what do you mean? I didn't know what he was talking to me. He goes, we didn't skate one time during the playoffs, not one time we didn't skate. And essentially it was what we were talking about back in a time when it was pretty critical, and I had these numbers to support what I was saying. And... Um, you know, he had the experience of being a playoff coach and knowing how to to um, push guys to a certain point and then back off and push them to a certain point. And I was bucking up against that because I had these numbers and I was saying it to him. And, you know, so he didn't necessarily go along with what I was saying. And then, you know, later on he came back and said, you know, you were right. You know, we needed to back off and we didn't. Yeah. And, um, you know, so... Those are the types of confirmations that you like to have when you're dealing with, you know, professionals that, you know, are, are decision makers and they they feel like their success and, and what's driven them and what's helped them to get to the place they are is, uh, and it still does have a stranglehold on their decision making, but yeah. if somehow or another you can, you know, get to a point where, you know, there's enough trust with what you're doing that, you know, you can curve their ideas. And I, I believe, you know, there are a lot of sports science guys that are out there today that are able to do that. And I think coaches are more open to that. And we're in a better place than we've ever been before. So, um, so this is, uh, you know, this is the interesting part. You know, you've been in the NHL for 30 years. You, I don't want to say you've lived in a bubble, but... You've you've lived in your from your perspective, right? Like as a strength coach in the NHL outward, 
and you know you've been exposed to what the industry is doing and everything else like that but um you know i think you and i were talking about this when you first joined the team that you'd never been to like any of these events that we're going to now like right, nsca right. yeah yeah, yeah that's Sloan, right. like all these yeah. all these things you've never been exposed to any of these places um you might not have been exposed to um the teams that we're working with and what they're doing, different sports and soccer and all this other stuff. So, so you've kind of gotten out of, um, you've gained, you've gained the, uh, perspective of being outside of that bubble now, right? Like you're not in the NHL at the moment. You're, um, not looking at it from trying to make a coach happy and trying to make players happy. You're looking at it from everybody else's perspective and, and gaining that insight. Um, which I think is, probably a really interesting spot to be in because a lot of people are, um, they might be young and they're coming up and they're going through that and they're trying to figure out where do I apply this? And you've been applying it for three decades and now you get to see, you know, what everybody else is doing. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's actually been really eye opening. Um, and I, for, for many reasons, one, you're essentially, you're right. You know, the first, when when you're in a league and you're and you're in your job and you're doing it, it's a grind and you're grinding it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember my first, you know, ten years. You know, I used to go to the American College of Sports Medicine meetings every once in a while, or I'd go to the NSCA meetings every once in a while. And and as you said, you know, recently I've been traveling to all these and talking to a lot of strength coaches and a lot of sports performance pro- professionals and and coaches. Uh, athletic directors, um, general managers. Um, and so the perspectives are, you know, so different to me because when you're in that grind and you're doing that every single day, one of the things that happens is you always feel like you're chasing. You always feel like you're not doing enough and that you're not doing what everybody else is doing. And one of the nice things that happened for me was, you know, the first five, six, seven places that I went to, I realized, you know what, we were doing a lot of good things. You know, it was a great confirmation <laughs> for me. But on the other side of the coin, I realized also that, wow, there's some really great stuff going on out here that, you know, you just don't know about, you know, and you, you think you're staying on top of things and you think that, you know, you can be watching all kinds of things on the computer from um, presentations that are being done all over the world and you can and you feel like you can you're staying on top of things but um, you really you miss a lot because you're grinding and you're you're in that situation and you're trying like got it with the next said, game yeah yeah and you're and you're and you're you know you're you're dealing with a player who's not making gains and you've got a general manager that's saying why isn't this guy better than what we thought he was going to be and looks so you're always yeah, you're you're always like I said, chasing. You're chasing a lot of different things, and um, and you and at the same time, you're feeling like maybe you're not getting enough done. Um, but at the same point in time, what I've realized is that it's incredible um, how different um, various different places are doing things. They may be doing them the same, getting the same type of information, but they're doing it so differently yeah. than what we were doing, and. Um, and the uh, the technology that's out there today, you know, is and it's not going away, and it's only going to grow. Um, and how do you implement a lot of that stuff? Like we were using Tendo units. Well, you know, we got good at it, and you know, but there's so many other things that you can use that you know is just as good, you know. But I wasn't you know fully aware of a lot of those things. The same things with you know GPS units. There's you know there's a lot of different units that are out there that um, you can look at and different teams are using them different ways and I've found out you know through being away from where I was and essentially um, you know being able to have conversations with them you know what I would do perhaps maybe a little differently and even be able to share some of my knowledge and expertise um, with things that worked really well for me um, that's that's uh, related to what they're doing so I mean I can it's funny because like you know, we we do this all the time, and um, you know, watching you get excited about certain things, it's like you know, you can see that spark again. 
Um, and when we're on the road and you get to engage with, with other coaches and what's going on, like you see that spark again. It's like, oh, you know, Doug's got something there. Like there's something going on. There's something going on that's like getting his gears going. Um, so, you know, hundreds of coaches. We've got, you know, a bunch of teams that we work with. We're on the road. Um, what was, what would you say is like your biggest surprise in different sports? Like you've got all these different sports that you've seen, all these different types of coaches. And everything else you got. What was the biggest surprise that you've, you've seen out there? Um, I think the biggest surprise I have right now may not necessarily be with a particular um, team or, or, or organization or university or anything. The... I was always under the impression that when I first came in, what I wanted to be able to do was um, I wanted nutrition, sleep, and rest to be my focus with, with our teams. Sure. And, you know, I always – I really hit the nutrition part hard. I did three-day, you know, analysis. I did – you know, I set up the pregame meals, the postgame meals, and, you know, and I taught and I educated guys about the nutrition and and I realized, you know, how do you measure that? Well, you know, there's there's a really lot of difficult ways to measure it. And, you know, with, you know, uh, technology today, you can use apps and different things like that. But really the bottom line in terms of measuring body comp- – uh, measuring nutrition is body composition. It's simple. It's simple. You either – you're gaining fat-free mass or maintaining it or you're losing, you know, fat mass. Uh, so the bottom line is it's an easy measurement. And – the funny part about it is, you know, there's tons and tons of organizations that only measure body composition once a year. Yeah, I, 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 it's beyond me. Wow. They do it. They do it at training camp, and then they do, they don't do it again. You know, um, there's a lot of them, and it shocks me because I, I think to myself, well, you know, how do you know how your nutrition is? You know, well, we feed them every day, and the same <laughs> thing with hydration. You know. You you have some very simple methodologies to fill you. Yeah, you can do um, more complex ones, but you have a very simple one of weighing in and weighing out, knowing what the fluid loss is, and then from there, you know, getting the electrolytes in first. And you know, so there's this really simple process of going through hydration and teaching players about hydration. Yet, you know, when you talk to um, teams, individuals, and teams about how they do it. Oh well, we just we we just pound it. We just pound it. <laughs> That's always my favorite. Yeah, I always that always blows me away. We just pound nutrition. We just pound hydration. You, like, are you just like cramming like you know good yeah, burgers into the ice? They're taking like, the water bottles doing? and yeah. pour it in their mouths, and they're yeah. you know they're measuring how much. But they really, and it's a very simple thing to 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 teach and educate and 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 make make sound. And, and then you get to the. Uh, recovery part and and the same thing holds true well how do you know what's what's right for recovery and there are many 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 teams that are doing a great job of knowing you know about how much calories are being expended and what the player load is from the internal and external uh, aspects of it and they've come up with you know some really great algorithms for all of it from wellness questionnaires to you know rpes and and there are a lot of ones that are doing it really really well but it's surprising to me some of the ones that just say, well, no, you know, basically we, we got a good, really good feel for when they're tired. You know, it, it shocks me. And then the last one of that nutrition, sleep and rest is that, you know, the sleep part of it is still an enigma. You know, there's yeah. not a good enough product out there yet. And yet there are so many uh companies that are trying to figure out that technology that brings you over the top well, to have you, you the, and I you and I were at the NFL team last week and they were looking at six different technologies and asked us our opinion and honestly I don't I can't recommend one yet yeah right? yeah you it's know, not got, there yet. you know you've got yeah. the you've got the movement sensor you've got uh, basal body temperature skin galvanization you've got uh, a little thing that you can put next to your bed and get a beacon and listen to your you know heart you know, just right. uh, breathing uh, patterns, and then you're looking at heart rates, and like there's so many different ways of doing it. Like we're confused, and yeah. we do this all the time. Like I, yeah, right. I have you know 150 different device companies that 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 we monitor all the time, and um, I haven't bought a sleep monitor because I still don't know which one's best. 
and that's yeah. for my own personal use. And you know, and you get these teams. I was like, which one do you recommend? And it's like, don't know yet. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know yet. And you know, um, you know, you can throw in fatigue monitors. Like Whoop is doing fatigue monitoring. Bedit has the thing that you lay across. Do you go really cheap and simple with um, a Fitbit? Do you go to fatigue science and go really high end? You know, and um, do you do you bring in a third party consultant like uh, Rise Science? Like, which one of these is the best way to do it? And you can go from, like, super cheap, tell me how you slept last night, to, you know, way up here, you know, 2000 3000 bucks a guy a year to figure out exactly what the hell's going on. And, and you're right, there's no really uh, super effective way to do this yet. But then again, this is how everybody figures it out, right? Everybody goes yeah. through and, the and devices I think that's... and, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the the point I was trying to make is when I when I first started answering that question was that's the biggest surprise to me over you know what I found you know being in the setting that I'm in now where I'm going and talking to people well yeah I, I realize that some people are doing it well and some people aren't doing it well with regard to nutrition and recovery and but what I what I, my biggest surprise is is that we really don't have anything then in terms of sleep that I I feel, and, and apparently you do as well, that, you know, gives us enough information to really um, take somebody in that direction and say, okay, we're, you know, this is where, where uh, what works best and how it can and it really be helpful. You know, the questionnaires, you know, it's got its limitations. How many hours did you sleep and how restful do you feel and yep. how's your mood? And, you know, that's a very, very helpful thing to our sports performance people, but it isn't the same as having a really good solid number for REM sleep, for deep sleep, for you know light sleep, and how many hours are we actually getting, and how much do we actually need, yep. you know, to perform at our highest levels, and so you know that was my biggest surprise. So it's kind of funny. We're uh, I'm looking at the clock here, and we want to keep this around an hour, and uh, it's ticking. Is it? Yeah, man, it's ticking. Oh. Um, it's it's. It's it's good to kind of just get into this conversation. You know, it's um, it's something I could do all day long. So uh, I'm glad I'm glad that the the time kind of flew by through this. Um. So, you personally, you know, obviously, what's your your uh, you've been out you've been out of the NHL now for mm, ten months. No, it's eight 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 ten months or somewhere. Eight, ten eight. months. So. Um, you know, beyond uh, beyond Coach Me Plus, um, you know, what are you excited about over the next year, and uh, and getting looking looking at being able to do? Um, you know, um, I've given I, I guess I've given this some thought in in the fact that I you know, um, I certainly loved my my experience uh, in the NHL and and working directly with you know a team. Uh, I do miss the the fact that you you build relationships with the with the players and the coaches and and you have this camaraderie and you you know um, that's a that's it's certainly something that I do miss. Um, but from the standpoint of uh, you know what what I do next and where I'm going, I, I'm not certain. You know, I'll I'll definitely uh, be excited to talk you know with any teams that that approach me. But on the other side of the coin, I really really enjoyed being in a situation where I can go and talk to young strength and conditioning coaches all over the place and share, you know, um, their knowledge with mine. And that's that's the light I'm talking about, man. You get excited about it. Yeah. It, and it, it's really been fun. I, I tell you, I've met some really great young guys and, um, and really, really have found, I think a great place with where I am and saying, you know, I love what you're doing. Can I make a suggestion or a recommendation? And, you know, for them to say, oh, yeah, absolutely, makes me feel really good. And then to be able to share that information with them. And, um, you know, so, um, you know, whatever happens, happens. I, you know, I'm very strong in my faith. I believe that, you know, God's going to direct me. And so, um, you know, for me, you know, whatever I'm doing, I'm just going to do it 100% and make sure that, you know, I have, if I can, have an impact with with, uh, 
with the people I'm working with. It's the only way to live, buddy. Yeah, thanks, man. All right, so that wraps up our first uh, Coach Me Plus podcast. This was uh, Doug McKenney, uh, former strength conditioning coach in the NHL. And uh, Doug, any any last word you want to throw in there? No, I just want to thank you for uh, having me be able to be part of uh, Coach Me Plus. I'm enjoying it, and you know, I know that anybody who you know has an opportunity to use this system will will have will will really you know appreciate its value. Thanks. So if you're listening in your car, you're on your lift or in an airplane or something like that, hope we made the ride a little bit easier. Um, and if uh, you subscribe to our podcast, you'll be able to get it. Uh, we'll probably be putting these out once every other week or so. We also have the Applied Science, uh, Applied Sports Science newsletter. You can go to coachmeplus.com to uh, subscribe to that and get information about the industry and understand exactly what's going on. We try to make it as open as possible and not markety. Um, you know, trying to get people to understand exactly uh, what the latest might be in either research, white papers, um, you know, wearable devices, technology, trends in the industry, and really we're just providing it as a way to, to educate and not, uh, you know, choose or pick what we think is the best, but really just make you guys aware of what's happening. Um, so again, go to uh, coachmeplus.com, apply uh, and, and subscribe to the newsletter, and of course, uh, whatever app you're using to um, listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to that as well, and uh, hopefully we'll see you guys again in two weeks. Uh, thanks again, Doug. You bet. All right.